Yeah, it's good to be back. Somebody said to me, why are you in America more than you're here, John? Feels like that a wee bit. Um, actually, just in case you don't know that, it might be good just to fill you in. One of the reasons why I head over there is um, <clears throat> we're associate members. When I say associate members, there's no uh, government, but we're very much linked with Bethel uh, Church in Reading. Um, some of you know that. Um, they're a house that carries the, the presence of Jesus. The, the, they, get, they get a lot of flack. You might have heard some of it. I wouldn't believe too much of what you hear. What I will say is this is it's one of the most incredible houses of miracles. I probably saw 50 miracles when I was there. And uh, I long for the day that we can carry that back here. And uh, I've got a lot of exciting things to tell you, which we'll tell you more about next week, hopefully. Um, but um, uh, I'm personally involved in part of what's called the Bethel Leaders Network, just so you know why I go. Um, and um, we oversee a team of about 350 leaders around the world. Um, and you need to know something. Our church, though small, is having an incredible impact around the world. You, you need to know that. And the ministry that we carry here, particularly theotherapy, is impacting senior leaders and pastors around the world. And I get the privilege to go out there and be part of that, to teach students who are coming up in the ministry, learning, learning the, 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 good, the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to church leadership. But also, we meet together as leaders from around the world, and we're over three times a year. And uh, God bless my friend Conrad, who's hopefully watching this morning. Uh, I couldn't afford to go, except he's my buddy list, and I'm his wife on his buddy list for BA. <laughs> So uh, I, I don't, we don't pay an awful lot of money to go, and um, yeah, the new BA planes are very nice, I'll just say that, but um, uh, that's why we head out there a lot. But also, we friends there, we're also um, part of uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, which as we start our school in September, we'll be using a lot of uh, those folks, a lot of their material, and we might have a few of them in person coming in uh, to teach with us. Uh, so I'm also a third-year mentor, which means uh, I'm part of the school there. Uh, students c can apply for, for the, the mentor and come in to intern for somebody for their third year basis M. Um, this year we can take up to six students uh, as part of our church. So that's where Josh and Mara and um, all the guys that have come along, they've all come from that. And uh, I've got three so far, and we'll maybe take another three, and I know Down Patrick are, are really keen for that. So uh, we, we're not just taking Americans anymore, by the way. We're, all the ones that have applied are all are all, are all from around the world, so we're, we're a wee bit dumb with America, so we need to balance the books. <laughs> we, we, we love, you know what I love? You know, say what you like about Americans. Can I tell you something? They're the most uh, uh, up-thinking, passionate, upbeat people on the planet. You just can't knock them down, and uh, it's, uh, it's, like, it's like, there's a few other things about them, but that's, that's the positive side, so it's, uh, it's, it's all good. So that's why I head out there. But uh, how many of you know that the church, um, the church this series called Ecclesia, and uh, how many of you know that the church... Uh, when set up, um, what Jesus set up when he set the church up was to bring the spirit of prophecy. And the idea is the church is a prophetic voice to the world, that when you come in and engage with the church, we're going to be looking at the church over the next month and what it means to be in a church and what church should look like. Um, you'll find that as, as we move forward into this series, that, that as we kind of get towards the end of it, I want more on a Sunday morning what we do on a Sunday night to be happening on a Sunday morning. Yes, uh, through a few of you thought you might like that. Um, and the thing is, is we're in here a year today. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually unbelievable that we're in this building a year. I, I can't, you know, so we started last, uh, first Sunday of May last year, and uh, here we are on the first Sunday of May this year, uh, celebrating a year. And do you know what's funny? When we left the school, I look out over you, and it's actually unrecognizable from where we were to where we're at now. So uh, thank you so much for the, gives, the, the giving and, and getting to where we're at with all of that. But uh, why don't you turn to the next person and say, I'm glad that you're at church today. Come on, turn to the next person and say to them.
I'm liking the new slide. I kind of look like I'm in a... <laughs> good slide, Gary. Give Gary, Gary. give Gary a big round of applause. He does all our graphics and stuff, so it's all good. I, uh, um, I, I think the thing about when you go to Reading, you walk down a corridor and everybody prophesies to you. Uh, I kid you not, in my time there for the 10 days I was there, I had probably 25 people give me the exact same words, exact same Bible passage. I, okay, God, I get the picture, you know? It's like, I know I'm stubborn a bit sometimes, but he was, he was that. But um, when, when, when the church is fully alive and fully going, things begin to happen. And um, um, I, I got a couple of prophetic words this morning that I want to share before I start. I've got far too much information, but sure, we'll get to that in a minute. I'm sure you'll not mind. Um, but I, I wanted to say this. Four years, when I grew up in Antrim, and uh, Mike Arthurs and I always have a good laugh about this, but it was an absolute dump that nobody ever wanted to live in. And when you grew up in Antrim, you wanted to leave it. In fact, Antrim was a place that you drove through to get somewhere else. And it was a place where when you drove in the 30 mile an hour zone, the, 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 the atmosphere was just not very pretty and not very nice. And back when I grew up here, it was one of those things. And, and in 2005, a bunch of young people became Christians and Rachel and I took them on. And, and we began to pray for this town. And before this church started, I used to go to the Barbican Gate down at the walls there. And for two and a half years, I prayed for this town, that God would move. And we had so many words about what God was doing in Antrim. The last two major revivals that took place in Ireland that went around the world started in Antrim. And I really believe the third one will come. Uh, 1610, the birth of Presbyterian was called the Six Mile uh, Water Revival. And in uh, um, 1859, we had the Ulster Awakening, which took place in Muckamore and in Kells here. And uh, that's a And I really believe the Lord's uh, speaking to us. But one of the things that I, I want to celebrate today is this, is that never in all my life, in all my life, did I think we would see something so creative, so beautiful, and so nice in our town. And I want to give a shout out to two of our members, Stefan and Sarah. I, 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 I tell you why, because I sat there yesterday with almost, with my daughter, almost with tears in my eyes going, I've never tasted something so beautifully prepared, so amazingly creative, and so tasty. But can I tell you, it was, it was much more than that. I felt like the Lord saying, Antrim will be the birthplace for creativity, for business, and for new, for, for new things. And can I tell you, the people that are pursuing this town and going, they, they talk about our church and the creativity in it. And we're a bunch of lunatics sometimes, but can I say this? I tell you, the, the, the Lord's bringing creative, creativity out of us. And I just sense that when more creativity comes, when, when, the, when that moves that way and we, we get creative and the Lord gives us a vision and a heart. And you know, many of you know you don't need to be in church to have a vision. You know that, right? You know, you don't need to serve in the ministry to have a vision. You need to have a vision for where you're at. And I love, I love that we've people, I, I hate the pink, they know that. <laughs> but as I sat drinking out of my pink cup with my pink petals, <laughs> covered by pink flowers, <laughs> while the staff were wearing pink trousers, <laughs> and that was just the men, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, honestly, it was just a, it was a real, real we, I just thought, this is, this is special, it's creative, and I feel like the Lord wants to raise up more creativity. And I also have a word, um, Richard, I hope I don't embarrass you. Richard, you're sitting here in the front row. Uh, you can lift your head, I'm talking to you. 
um, as you came, as I saw you there and shook your hand, I really felt that the Lord had a word for you this morning. And um, I know you're maybe not around prophetic. I don't know whether you are or not. If you've not been around the prophetic, this is how the Lord speaks. How many of you know that when there's a pr- prophetic mantle in the house, prophecy flows from it? And what prophecy is, is the now word of God to help someone call out their destiny and what God's got for them. And uh, it's a word that I give regularly, but I really believe this is for you, Richard. It's from Song of Solomon 2, and it says this, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And it said, come out from behind the lattice. And it's this, this picture of this lattice where God only sees part of you and he wants to see all of you. And it said, this, see the winter is over and the season of singing has come. And I think as the winter begins to change, you're coming into a new season of springtime. And then springtime comes, new things begin to flourish and all of that. But it said this at the end of it, it says, catch the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. And I feel like there's been too many foxes that have attacked you, stole from you, robbed from you, uh, taken things from you. And the Lord says, hey, I'm about to put a hedge of protection around you that you'll produce new fruit and new fruit will come from, from what, what you're producing. And even though it feels dead right now, and, and you're looking at the vines going, there's no fruit on these vines, I, I can tell you the Lord hasn't, hasn't finished with you. He's seen you from a distance. He's watched with you. There's been a target on your back for years that people have prayed for you, and you are marked man for God, and you can't get away from him no matter how hard you run and how hard you try. And I feel like the Lord has yet to give you the fruit that you've been dreaming about. And he said, do not give up. Do not give up. Keep going. Keep, keep plowing the land. Keep watering the roots. Um, I remember uh, uh, my old pastor used to talk about the al- apple orchard in Armagh. And he said, how do you get so good apples? He says, you take care of the roots. And I feel like the Lord says, you've got to take care of the roots. You want good fruit, you take care of the roots. And the roots come deep. And I feel like the Lord has put deep roots in your life. doesn't feel like that right now. But I feel like the Lord's saying there's a season coming where fruit will begin to birth. And you begin to see the the early signs of that in the not too distant future. Father, I just pray for Richard this morning, Lord. You bless him, Lord. You touch his life, Lord. Empower him. Give him the dreams of his heart, Lord. Uh, Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he gives you desires of your heart. Uh, So, Father, I bless him today. I bless what you're doing in him. In Jesus' name, we pray pray. Amen. Come on, encourage them. If you've got your uh, Bible with you today, I've got four um, consecutive uh, Bible passages that we're, I'm going to speak this week and next week about. Uh, the first one's from Romans 12, 3 to 5. Hopefully they appear on the screen. It said this, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us is one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many from one body uh, with each other belong, belongs to all of the others. Let me, everybody say that word, belongs. Each member belongs to all of the others. Do you know you're not, you're not your own when you're in the church? Others, others, others. Another scripture in Galatians 6, uh, verse 2, said this, read from 9 to 10. Um, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Everybody say belong. Belong to the family of believers. Uh, And then a couple of passages from Psalms. Uh, I love the book of Psalms. Psalms are just ridiculously good when it comes. I, I, was, I was reading them on the way over in a plane um, to America, and one of the things that I read was, you, you read the first 20, uh, and these were songs. These were worship songs. I can't ever imagine getting up here and singing some of those things. Lord, save me! So terrible! But the Psalms are so good, and uh, this, this is what it says. Father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. 
Father to the fatherless and a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. And the key verse I want to talk about, um, which is merely today, I've called this sermon uh, planted, um, um, is uh, the life of this. It said, God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. And the last verse from Psalm 92, uh, 12 to 14 said this, the righteous will flourish like palm trees. They will grow like the cedars of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in its courts of, of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will still be fresh and green. Proclaiming, the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Father, we just uh, thank you for your word today, God, Lord, that it speaks, and pray that it speaks to us this morning as we study it and look at your word. Uh, I believe the Bible teaches the value of local church. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking about what local church should mean, uh, what it looks for, and the value of belonging to a spiritual community. I want to set it out. We often see, and I see it a lot, where, where, where we use the term family uh, for church. Uh, I think because of the breakdown in family, I think sometimes that word being used for church isn't always appropriate because you then expect me to be daddy sometimes, and I never be your daddy other than Ethan and Aaron. And, uh, but what happens is sometimes we have an expectation of family that we come to church and we project that onto us. Uh, so for the nature of this, I, I, I talk about our spiritual community. Uh, though, though the Bible does refer to the word uh, um, uh, Ecos, which is basically this idea of the people that you have around you of influence. And that is this idea that we're all together, including our family, including our own family, which is Rachel, Ethan, Aaron, plus this family, the family of God. And uh, whenever, whenever you're, you're bought in and you're sold into a spiritual community, and I believe we all should be, uh, the world is meant to look so different. But there's something that when you belong to a spiritual community that should show something to everyone else in our community how different we're meant to be. We're not meant to be disconnected from the world. We live in a world that sometimes is so separated and so isolated that we need to bring them hope that when they see us rooted in a world that's so uprooted, when they see you rooted and enjoying life and having fun, that people go, I, I want what you've got. Some of you are here today because you came here. There's a family here this morning, I'll not embarrass them. They came here at the baptismal service. And they loved it so much, they're back. Why? Because I think they see something in here that's different. And that's what the church is meant to look like. And God's words, God words, word tells us that we're, we're planted because all of us have a longing for belonging. Say belonging. You see, we all want to belong somewhere. Shane Cleborn, uh, in his book, wrote this. He says, I think uh, that's what the world is a bit desperately in, in need of. Lovers of people who build deep, genuine relationships with fellow strugglers along the way and who actually know the faces of the people behind the issues that are concerned about. The Holy Spirit and the local church is built through relationships. And I want to say that, that, that the, the church is built on relationships. And what's the problem that we know about the church if it's built on relationships? Is that sometimes we all fall out. Because no, nobody's ever fell out with anybody in church in here, right? <laughs> Any has fallen out with the church and came back? A few, few of you are like, yeah, that's me. You understand how it works. Uh, but actually, the church, the ecclesia, this word ecclesia is the idea of the gathering of God's people. And I want to say this straight from the back, that the Holy Spirit, um, uh, who brought into being the church on the day of Pentecost, inhabits the praises of his people, expects us to make a conscious decision to be part of the local church that he created. 
let me say that again. He expects us to make a decision to be part of a local church. And in a world where uh, every time the church kind of comes a, uh, comes a word, in today's context, the church always hasn't got a good name. Why? Because we've looked like the world. And many of you know the church isn't meant to look like the world, but when we let the world control what happens in here, then we suddenly become the world. And the church uh, and the people looking on get disappointed with the church. But every time you see the word church in the New Testament, it was this idea of a local visible congregation of people meeting together to worship God. And the New Testament assumes membership of a local fellowship. And the only Christians not part of a local church in Scripture were those who were being removed from the church for gross sin and misconduct. The inference was all the way through New Testament that the church, that you were meant to be part of the church, that you weren't meant to do this by yourself, you're meant to belong. And that a Christian without a local church uh, home is like an organ without a body, a sheep without a flock, and a child without a family. However rampant, uh, the problem today is rampant individualism has created so many spiritual orphans. And Christians who go from church to church without identity, without accountability, and without commitment. Some may think that it's perfectly good and effective uh, that Christians, uh, without, they, can, they think they can be good and effective Christians without being part of a local church. I would suggest to you that God strongly disagrees. That being disconnected as a part, you shrivel up and die, and so will you if you're not part of that. When you cut yourself off from local fellowship, your spiritual life will wither and eventually cease to exist. I have seen this a thousand times. I've watched people who've been vibrantly involved in the church, they disappear off, they go off and do their own thing, and they end up shipwrecked on a beach somewhere. Uh, But whenever we become careless about the fellowship that we're part of, everything else begins to slide. Membership of, of living local church is neither inconsequential or something that can be ignored because God's put it. What do I mean when I say that? Well, uh, we don't have membership here. That was a very deliberate point on our part. Uh, we wanted, as Mike said, to have open hands on what we do. But by membership, what I mean is you don't sign up on a membership form, have a membership class, and, and, and then give all your tithes and offerings, because that's what the church looks like. But let me tell you what membership looks like. Membership looks like that when you come in and join this spiritual community, that we get around a big dining table and picture it like that. And, you, you know, it's like when, when, when my mom was a kid, she'd shout out the door. I was called Junior as a kid. And you'd be like, Junior, your dinner's ready. And you'd come running in, covered in muck, and you'd sit down and everybody would go in, throw their dinner into them, tidy up the dishes, do the work together, do your chores, and pay the bills together. And this idea that coming together is spiritual community, that we come together from all arts and parts, and we eat together from the Lord's table, that's the idea of the ecclesia and of fellowship. And it is important that you make a conscious decision to be part of the church. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And we're called to do the same. Sadly, many Christians use the church, but they don't love it. Let me say that again. Many Christians use the church, but they don't love it. Now, I want to say this as we start into this. Some of you have been badly damaged by church. Heck, some of you might be damaged by this church. You need to forgive that, accept it, and move on. Because if you filter that lens, everything you do will be filtered through that lens. If a pastor's hurt you, you need, to, you need to forgive them. If church has damaged you, you need to let it go. And I'm not talking about style. I'm not talking about culture. I'm talking about where you've had an expectation of somebody that weren't able to deliver it. You need to move on for that. 
But um, what do we believe here at Journey? Well, let me give you a little bit of insight into our church and how we got here. Uh, I know there's quite a few new people, so some of you folks who have been around a few years may have heard some of this before. I'm not apologizing for that because we've got all these new people coming at the moment, and uh, uh, hopefully this will help you understand a little bit about what we believe. Firstly, I want to say this. We're reformed in our theology. We're reformed in our theology. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, I believe that the Bible is believing, uh, I, I believe that we're Bible-believing, Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, born from above, saved by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. And I always tell people that we do theology in the context of unbelievers and in the context of the world, which uh, if you don't do that, you probably have a bad theology. Because the church was the only organization that was created for the benefit of its non-members. Let me say that again. The church was the only organization created that was created for the benefit of its, of its non-members. And the church was actually put in place to benefit the local community. And if a church isn't built through that context, you will probably have a bad theology. If you come here, and I hear it all the time, oh, I left that church. Someone came to me here very early on when we started on journey and said, I left that church because I wasn't being fed there. And I says, well, you may leave that, this church too because you ain't going to get fed here. Can I say, our job is to raise disciples. If you need me to feed you, what age are you? You know, when you're, when you're, when you're one and you're, you've got the airplane, you get the carrots and open your mouth, here comes the airplane, and then it goes. It, if you come to church to be fit, now hear me, if you come to church to get fed and that's what you expect, you will soon be disappointed because at some point, the food I put in your mouth, you ain't gonna like. You have to learn to feed yourself. What kind of a person who can't feed themselves would, would we be? And the church is meant for you to feed yourself. Bring what you've got into the church, and together, corporately, we move mountains. And yet, what do we do? Well, I, I, the sermon wasn't great today. You know, what do you want, 52 life-changing sermons every Sunday? You know, oh, well, the worship wasn't so good. My favorite worship leader, leader wasn't on. We made a choice a while ago never to advertise who was on worship or who was on speaking. Do you know what happened? People just didn't come. They came for their favorite ones. So we just don't do that anymore. So you get a surprise every Sunday. Ta-da! <laughs> Everybody loves Richard Porter when he's a surprise. <laughs> Here, John's coming. Uh, and what happens is we begin to define ourselves by what other people are doing, and that creates legalism. And whenever we don't have a healthy theology within our church, we have a bad theology that works, what happens is our efforts become uh, religious-based and legalism, and we actually start to throw out the things that God has asked us to do, which is why the spirit of the church is prophecy. And it's, it's, you need to understand something. The Bible makes it very clear. We're Let me say this. We're reformed in our theology and when it comes to charismatic, when we come to being part of what the Holy Spirit does, it's both the Word and the Spirit, and it's really important that you understand that we get this. Do you know that you're a co-worker with Christ? So, now, your our job is to co-work with Christ. As people often say, you know, uh, you know you'll make a comment, so don't we? you mean God, don't you? No, no, I mean God in me. We, we get to co-work with Christ, and it's important that you know that, that we're co-workers with Christ, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to build the church. And, and for some strange reason, God has chosen a group of people who look like you to build His church, and we're not perfect, and yet He chooses us to build His church. And good theology helps us stay close to the truth of God. Listen, we need to take responsibility for reading our Bibles ourselves. 
Let me say that again. You need to take responsibility to read your Bible. If I, was re- if I asked you to put a hand up, anybody who actually left their Bible and read it in the last month, I think you would be scared. You, it would be scary as to how many people actually do that. You need to get into the Word. You need to form a health of theology. You need to do that. If I form it for you, you'll eventually get disappointed because you'll come to a crisis of faith. Our job here is to raise disciples, healthy disciples who feed themselves. You need to get into the Word. Listen, can I tell you, I, as someone who's come from a dyslexic, dyslexic background and has a dyslexic kid, there is audio Bibles now for you and every translation you can imagine. And you can put them on the car and you can read the Word by somebody and a really nice gentle voice will put you to sleep talking to you. All right? I have Homer Simpson in mine. It's so good. You, you enjoy the scriptures so much more when Homer's reading them for you. You think I'm joking? <laughs> and uh, can I tell you that the way to flourish is to get yourself a healthy theology. How many of you know Christ is perfect theology? You'll draw the word into you, forming a theology, in order to give you a healthy theology. Why are we reformed? Because we actually believe that, that, that you need an encounter with Jesus. You will not find faith in Christ without an encounter with him. And I don't care how many times you go to church. I don't care how, what you do within the church. If you've never encountered Jesus as your Lord and Savior and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, you do not know Christ. You will have an understanding about him. You learn him in RE. You'll come here and you'll see something about him, but you will not know him. You need to have an encounter with Jesus today. Um, uh, if we only have theology, though, it can become boring and dry, which leads us to the gifts that God gave us to the church. Secondly, we are charismatic in our philosophy. We're charismatic in our philosophy. Now, here's the problem with the charismatic church. They're full of charismaniacs. All right? And uh, what happens is sometimes in the charismatic church, uh, we're afraid to tell other Christians that we're charismatic. I'm not personally, um, because it offends the religious spirit in them. But do you speak in tongues? Yes, why? Do you not? And uh, we see it all the time. We get the, you know, we get the, the, the you know, every now and again, they, they come by, the heresy hunters come by our Facebook posts and write something. I love it when that happens. Ian Somerville and I have a party with them. And uh, it's like, they come in and it's like, like you know, you're just wrong. Someone told us we were a left liberal, what, what, what was it they said? That we woke, left liberal woke church who only does games and fancy things and we should be preaching the gospel. I'm like, oh Lord, this man, so I come out from behind your keyboard and come and have a conversation with me. But the point I'm trying to say is this, is that, that, that the charismatic world has sometimes got itself a bad reputation. Can I tell you something? The gifts of God are irrevocable, and when you get them, you can't lose them. And the church is meant to be this incredible gift giver, life bringer, hope establisher. He that has the most hope has the most influence. If you're hopeless, you the influence. If you've got hope, you will influence people. Why? Because the world out there loves hope. And the Holy Spirit gives us that hope, brings us alive, and helps us move that way. And Mike said it this morning, we need a shake sometimes. We're so, can I tell you, see COVID, the apathy in the world today is mad. Nobody wants to do anything anymore. Nobody wants to sacrifice anymore. We, we've got used to lying at home doing nothing. And there's a generation today who want 80 grand a year and don't want to work two hours a day for it. If you don't get out of bed in the morning full of the joys of spring, well, we've got Elaine who can come and counsel you out of any depression you might have, but you need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. 
And as we go forward, you're going to get opportunities to encounter the Holy Spirit. If you're here on a Sunday night, you'll get an opportunity to encounter the Holy Spirit. And if you want an encounter of the Holy Spirit this morning, I promise you, if you come hungry, you will get it at the front of this church every single Sunday. It's open to you. How hungry are you? We're charismatic in who we are. Why? Because I am absolutely convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Spirit of God is the only hope for the world. Based in local church. It's here where we learn the things of God. It's where we get excited about the Holy Spirit. It's where when God comes along and prophesies to somebody, hey, this is, I don't know this guy. This is what God says about you. Who are you talking to? It happens all of the time. Why? Because we have a God who speaks today. If you don't believe that or you've never heard from God, come to one of our team at the front and they'll prophesy to you. And you'll go, huh? How did you know? I get it all the time. Hey, this is what the Lord says. How do you know that? Are you talking to somebody? That's what prophecy does. No, no, you were talking to God. He told me, and now he's encouraging you because he's had and he's heard you. And sometimes that's what prophecy is. But prophecy isn't the only thing. There's all these gifts that God gave the church in order to do what? To build and establish his church. These gifts aren't meant to make you feel good. Let me say that again. These gifts aren't given to you for you to feel good. These gifts are given to you for you to build a church. But what do we do? We get in our holy huddles. We love singing kumbaya. We get the presence of God, we fall over, and then we do nothing with it. In this church, you will, and as we move forward, we are not meant to lie here and get filled up. We get filled up to do what? To go. And it's the gifts of, can I tell you, when you're out in the community and you stop off in a, in a conversation, I love doing this. Kids, my kids don't like me doing it. But hey, do you know what the Lord thinks about you? No. You know, Tesco's you know, looking for prawns. Hey, can I, can I tell you what the Lord thinks about you? Uh, sure. And you start prophesying. And the next thing, the snot and the tears are tripping them. And, and, and they couldn't wait to get away from you. Not because they've loved the word, but they run away because the Lord's really spoken to them. That's what the church is meant to look like. What do we look like? Our placards. And we, we tell the world what we're against, not what we're for. How many? You know, oh, I don't believe that. Don't believe that theology. Terrible down there. That church, that journey church up there. Lunatics. A lot of them. I need a t-shirt. I need a t-shirt that says this, leader of a cult without the benefits. <laughs> People look to me and say, say, oh, you lead that cult, don't you? Well, no, not really. You don't really understand the meaning of the cult, but if, if I do, I don't ever get the benefits. How many cult leaders you know, they get all the benefits. I don't get any. It's like, come on. It's this idea, why? Because they're scared of the church. Why? Because they've seen a really bad representation. What are you representing when they look at you? What, what are the gift that God, the Bible says stir the gift within you. You know God's given you a gift. Yet, No, not me, John. You do the Northern Ireland thing. Drives me crackers. That's why I love going to America. They don't do the Northern Ireland thing. Hey, man, come on, let's go. And they're like having a party. I'm like, yeah, this is my kind of people. And what do we do? We just sit, we sit. We're taught in school, sit quietly, you know, finger on your lip. Listen to the teacher, say nothing. Give yourself a shake. We're charismatic. Well, at least two, at least three of you are. Now, here's the problem. You're scared of being a charismaniac. All right? Can I say, if that's in you, you'll never be a charismatic. Because what we do is we're, we're so afraid of being over here, we, we swing away over here. And we go, if that's what that looks like, I don't want to be that. But here's the problem. This is where you should be. 
a, a man in the vineyard wrote a book called The Quest for the Radical Middle. I love it because it's the radical middle that we look for. We've got the Word of God, we've got the Spirit of God, and there's an old cliche saying, too much Word, you dry up, too much Spirit, you blow up, bring them both together, you grow up. And it's true, we need the both of them. And, uh, but yet, in our church, we, we often have that. Can I tell you, when, when the Holy Spirit moves, we get Christophanies. Do you know what a Christophany is? It's when Christ passed by. You just, you're, in the, you're sitting in a church, minding your own business, singing a lovely worship song, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of Christ comes past, and you're like, oh, I felt that. He's here. He's in the midst. He, he's in our place. Why? Because the Lord inhabits the what? The praises of His people. That's why we meet together in corporate worship. That's why it's important that you're in a church, that you meet together for what? For accountability? Yes. To, to share life together, yes, but actually so that Christ will pass by when we meet together. I, I don't ever want to lead a church where Christ doesn't come anymore. I would rather have people up here with spoons, shaking them off their elbow. <laughs> if the presence of God is in that more than it's ever in our, in our, in our great skilled music, and Josh and Mara, Josh is going, no. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Give me the presence of Jesus over everything else. It is like honey to the soul. It's like manna when there's no food. And give me the presence of Jesus. And when you get the presence of Jesus, I can tell you, you will never be the same again. I'm not talking about knowing about Jesus, reading about Jesus. I'm talking about experiencing Jesus. And when you experience him and he passes by, your life will never be the same again. We, we are charismatic in our philosophy. It's the work of the Holy Spirit today to help build his church. And thirdly, we're missional in our approach. We're missional in our approach. Um, if you start with a church, that the mission will probably get lost. If you, let me say that again. If you just start with a church with no, no vision, no mission, it will get lost. But a church has to start with a mission is more likely to become a church that gets found. We started with a mission. What was the mission? I had a dream of, of helping young people in our town uh, to know Jesus. That's how this church started. Um, a bunch of Presbyterian kids went away to camp. They became Christians. And they were renegades. A few of them are still here today. And they were, they, they were not going to fit neatly into a, a, a pew-based church structure. Now hear me, I'm not slagging off other churches. I believe all churches are the hope of the nation. I really believe that. Uh, but what I will say is this, you had these rough radicans and, you know, they, they, they didn't quite fit into the pews on a Sunday morning. Well, what do they do when they don't belong? Well, the Lord began to speak to, to, to me and then Rachel and Ian and a few other people, hey, can we do a church? Can I tell you something? That was a bad idea. <laughs> Honestly, you think, this isn't, sometimes it's fun, but sometimes it's not fun. And you're always, you know, it's literally, we, me and Ian run around with shovels. Honestly, that's what we say. We're not passive at church. We run out around cleaning up all the mess of other people. And that's kind of what you do. Now, here's the thing. You often don't get to hear about that. Because in a culture of our church, we say, no, you don't get to hear that. You won't hear us talk about anybody else's sin and what's going on. Why? Because we bring them in the back door and we help them deal with the crap in their lives. So why? They become better disciples and followers of Jesus. And the mission start to help people who were lost become greater disciples with Jesus. It's why we call it a journey because we're not there yet. There's a church somewhere else, and I laughed at them. I know the pastor quite well. They're called Destination. 
Destination Church Belfast. So Andrew, if you're listening, sorry. You know, but their destination, I'm like, oh, you made it? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, we're just all on a journey. <laughs> and there's something true about, about sanctification. I'm not the same person I was last year and this time next year. I, I, I want to grow more. I don't want to be the same person. And that's why this is this idea of the more. Um, you know, I was talking to some friends last night, and I was talking about this concept that I will teach on later on in the year, this idea of Satan. Now, why am I saying it like that? Well, because let's just take Lucifer out of the equation for a moment. Satan is this idea of the evilness that's in us with the Spirit of God that's in us. And the concept of the evil within us is what we're trying to get out of by the renewing of our mind that we would know the, the good and pleasing will of God. That, that it's this idea. And it's this idea of a church that comes along and we get Satan out of you. Let me say it again. It's a church that's trying to get Satan, the concept of evil, out of you. But what do we do? We can't like our evil. There's some evils that are nice. There's some things that are in our lives that we, I really like doing that. But what are we supposed to do? Well, the church is called to help people out of that. Are you there yet? No. But our job is to help you get a little bit further along the road, help you move you from A to B and then B to C and C to D. And the more that you grow, the more you do. The more I've discovered, the more you go. I was watching Mike today leading the service. Didn't he lead it so well? You know, when Mike came in here, the, the, growth, the, the growth that you see in our young men and women is incredible. Ashley, I, I love watching the young ones that we've invested into just grow and get a passion. We see all these ones out here. They're here. And you see them growing with a fire in their belly with God. Nothing makes me happier. And one day, one day soon, sooner than they think, I'll just go, here you go, guys. It's all yours. Why? Because I have another mission I want to get on with. And when God calls us to a mission and our security isn't based on this place, it's based on the mission of God, you will thrive, you will flourish, and you will come alive. If you don't have a mission, if you don't have a vision, you will perish. If you don't have something that gets you out of bed, there's no, I'm not talking about work and I'm not talking about family. I'm talking about a vision and a mission. You will wither up and, and die. That's what the scripture says. People without vision perish. You have to get a vision and a passion for your life. I have mine. I, I got out of bed raring to go. I was like, someone said to me in Reading, like, John, you never stop. You're right, I don't. I'm like a wind-up clock. Staff sometime are going like, hey, steady on, come on, let me just, Sarah's like, John, we need to sit down. Come on, sit down and talk to me. Why? Well, because passionate. It's called the curse of the apostolic. There's somebody who wrote a book a while back I read. It's called The Curse of the Apostleship, which is this idea that it's the first thing you're thinking about in the morning. It's the last thing you're thinking about. It drives Rachel crackers. Can you not just go out for a meal and not talk about church? No. Why? Because when it's in you, it's in you. It's the vision and it's the passion. If you don't have that, you will be depressed. You'll be hopeless and helpless and you won't have it. Get yourself a vision. I love that these guys have a vision. A vision for this beautiful coffee shop. That's pink. Please, why pink? And, but what I'm saying is this, is that, that, that you get a vision and you bring this credit to Antrim. That shop, that shop would do well in the middle of New York or, or San Francisco. But guess where they're at? After him. Why? It's, it's breathing life. Life. And it doesn't have to be a church to breathe life. It just needs people with a passion and a vision to bring life. See some of you older folk. Ah, I'm done and dusted. I'm hanging up the boots. 
nonsense. You get the un- <laughs> you get the unique position to be grandparents of the house of the church, and you get to have input to these young ones who need your wisdom. They need your wisdom. They need you to come along. I need older people to come along and go, enough of that, John Ash. You don't have that. That's why we seek out wisdom. Uh, Proverbs says, seek out wisdom at all costs. Can I tell you, you didn't get that gray hair for nothing. And you young people, find an old person, take them out for a cup of coffee. You pay, all right? Young people, you pay for it. And take them out for a cup of coffee and say, hey, talk to me about my marriage. Talk to me about sex. Talk to me about life. Talk to me about the things that you were struggles. What would you, what would you do differently if you did it again? What did you work out for years? Can I tell you, if you're not doing that, you don't understand how the church works. When me and Rachel started off, we, we were young. We had this incredible group of people who we, we just sat in their house, Michael and Penny, Stanley, and our small group leaders. We just go around and watch them. Watch them how they led family, how they did it. Okay, and we ask questions. How do, you, how do you manage in marriage? And what do you do with that? And how do you fix that? And what do you do with all of that? And we just gained all this wisdom. And then we got married and had kids. And guess what happened? Well, they all came around and sat and watched us in our house. How do you do that? What do you do with that? How, that's how this works, discipleship. But it's also how it works in the rabbinic. You want to know more about Jesus? Find an apostle and hold on to the hem of his garment. That's, that's how it works. You, hey, tell me about that theology. Uh, Ali Couples, where is Ali? Uh, he's upstairs helping out this morning. Um, Ali Couples, he's, he's, I love him, but he's a pain in my life. <laughs> Not right, Ali? No, I, I'm, he knows I'm joking. But we, he, you know what he did? He kicked my door. <laughs> kicked the door in. Do I need to talk to you? I have all of these visions and all of these dreams. <laughs> okay, Ali, calm yourself down. Let's work through some of this stuff. And he never gave up. He just kept going. Why? Because one day I said to him, you need to get in under somebody. And he decided it was my garments that he wanted to hold on to. And he wanted a breakthrough in his life. He wanted a particular breakthrough in his life. And he was ready to break down doors. And he reminded me a lot when I was a bit younger. But anyway, just break. And oh, hold on. Pull back there, big lad. Just calm your jets a minute. I said, be patient. Be patient. Hold it. You know, remember Braveheart? Hold it. Hold it, wait. He got his breakthrough this week out of the blue. <laughs> Spirit of God, sometimes we got a hammer. I got a prophetic word one time um, that I was like a fireman's hose and left his own devices. But when you get three or four wise people around you, they, they know how to point you in the right direction. This is why it's really important that the church is designed, that we help each other out. The mission of the church is to create disciples, but it's also, it's also this idea that, that it's the desire of God to bring humanity into his creation and reconcile, redeem, and heal. The missional church is a sending church. It's not a going to church. You don't go to church. You are the church. You don't go to church. You are the church. People should be coming to you because you're the church when you're in your work. Are you your church in the work? Do you look like the church? Are you a good representation of the church? 
See, the Father's asking us to be what? To be these incredible um, custodians of the kingdom. That when, we, when people walk into us, that's the mission of God. And the, the mission of God is ascending church, not a going to church. It's, it's the moment that God, through his people, sets a, a world that's broken and damaged and gives them healing in the form of you, the church. That's what you are. That's what you're meant to be. Jesus told us to go into all of the world and be his ambassadors. But many churches today have inadvertently changed that to go and be command rather than to come and see. Rather than going and be, it's come and see. And we've created a tractional church, come and see my world. And if you, if, you, if you do what I tell you to do, you can join my gang. And then you look like me and act like me and I'm a team all become little John Ashes. That was not what it was meant to be like. If I'm not reflecting Christ, I'm a bother. But too many church leaders today are so insecure. What are they trying to do? Well, they're trying to build people to themselves. You know, you do that. No, no, I'm not trying to, really, I'm not trying to do that. My job is to help you become the very best thing you can be. So I take a group of people. I'm at capacity right now, so don't, I can't take any more. Go find somebody else, all right? Uh, but we take a bunch of people in and what is to breathe life into them and call them out on their, on, their, on their sin. Call them out on the stuff that's going. But you know what else I'm supposed to call them out on? Hey, this is your gift. This is your calling. I see this in you. I love that this is in you. Why don't you come and serve me? I've had people lately said, do you want me to be your pastor? I'm not sure. I'd like to be your pastor. Would you let me be your pastor? What does that mean? I don't know. Come and see. I want to do well, Okay. They come. Here they are. They're still here. I'm going to wait yet. Why? Well, because, because there's something in a life giving. Why? When we create disciples who create disciples who create disciples, we, we get in the mission of the church. And the mission of the church was to create disciples. It isn't just to, I mean, what do you tell you? If we have a large gathering and I want to grow our church, but I want to grow it by a whole bunch of disgruntled Christians. Give me a church full of non-Christians any day of the week. Let me say that again. Give me a church full of unbelievers every day of the week. I love preaching to unbelievers. It's the believers that's hard to teach to. They've got a far bigger expectation than they should have. But when you speak to the unbelievers and they hear the message, they come alive. They come alive inside their soul. Who are you preaching to? What message are you sending? Not just out of your mouth, out of your character and your demeanor. What do they see when they see you? What's your mission? How, how, how is it that whenever, whenever you draw alongside that actually they see the mission of Jesus in the building of the church? The missional is this idea, this term that helps us to, to go. It's an invitation to go to them. It's, it's why we do what we did. Do you know Easter weekend as a finish, Rana, come on back up again. On the Easter weekend, we planned that for a while. It was incredible right here. I kind of jumped on a plane and disappeared, but I never kind of lasted legacy. But I want to I just, let me tell you what we did. On Good Friday, we had that production here, Tenebrae. Who was at that? Yeah. Wait, Leslie here? That, uh, yeah. We're going to do that. We're going to do that next year again. You know that, right? And we're probably going to do the same thing so the people who never saw it can come and see it. And I can tell you, we're going to advertise the life out of that. It was fantastic. I had people message me going, do you know churches like ours, and this is true, we, sell, we love to celebrate the resurrection, but we forgot about what Christ did. And Ian Strachan's here today. He says, John, that was powerful. We've forgotten what Good Friday really meant. I tell you, we sat here with the tears rolling down our faces, remembering exactly what Good Friday was like. 
But here's what I loved. There was hope. And in the midst of our own Good Friday, he pointed to that. We then had, I don't know how many came, but we had one of the largest crowds at our Easter egg drop. So thank you for who everybody packed eggs. A day and a half, new record, go you. All right? And uh, <laughs> need to pack more. There was a few kids didn't get too many. But, um, uh, but here, this community, they come in, and they come in, and they just had fun. Is that any less preaching the gospel just because we didn't put a track in their little bag? No, why? Because as a church, we've told our mission is to bless our local community. And we will continue to bless and continue to bless and continue to bless. And we will do that. And I tell you, the feedback from that is everybody loves. Ah, say what you like about that journey, church. They do good things in our community. Good deeds leads to goodwill, which leads to good news. And that's what we go after. And then on, 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 the, on, on Saturday night here, some of the kids had an event rise and they brought Mitch. 14 young people gave their lives to Jesus that night. Don't, don't let that be lost on you. 14 teenagers give their life to church, like give their life to Jesus at church here last, last Saturday night. You know, that, that's revival. And it was so natural. They just come up and, ah, I'm a Christian now. Yes. And then Sunday morning, we baptized, what, 13, 12, 13 people last week. And their friends and family were here. And some of them were even here because of what they, they saw. And uh, this week, somebody said they wanted to speak to me about God. Uh, and I gave them a call. I said, what's going on? He said, I thought I was saved, but I'm not. I went, welcome to Northern Ireland. He says, you speak about this Holy Spirit. And I watched, I watched as my friend got baptized. I, I, I want to have what, what you guys have. How do I get it? I said, well, here's how you get it. It starts by coming to church. Can I say, when I grew up, I went to church twice on a Sunday. That's what you did. You know, you went in the morning, went at night. And, and there's something about the local church that needs you to be here every single week. But COVID has kind of, I'll take a Sunday off. Said much of online. Sorry, all you online people, you should be here. <laughs> yeah, I want, want you to feel guilty. And I know some of you can't be, but it'd be good to have you. Why? Because there's something that's not just in your PJs at home drinking a cup of coffee. There's something happens when you enter this room and get together with a bunch of people that Christ inhabits the praises of his people. That's the church that we want to be. And hopefully, if you're coming for a while, that's the church I would love you to belong to. That buys into that vision, that understands that's the mission and that's what we're going after. We're reformed in theology. We believe Jesus is the only way to God. We're charismatic. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit to build the church. And we want you to encounter the Holy Spirit. And we're missional in our approach. Why? Because there's a lost world out there that needs you to grow as a disciple and lead it to Jesus. Will you make a decision to, to do that today? And this is what I do. I do it once a year. Um, if you want to, now hear, hear me, if you're a visitor here, you're very welcome. But if you want to make this your home church and you're deciding this sounds like a mission I want to get followed, I, I want you to rededicate that calling in your life today. I will serve this local church. Now listen to me. If you're from another church, do this for your local church. If you're belonging to another church, make a commitment to do that. But if not, make a commitment to here and say, I will serve this church one way or another and I'll get involved. I'll not no longer be a wallflower down the back doing nothing just taking I will start to give I don't care what it is find one of the leaders they will definitely find you a job to do this place needs cleaned all the time now please come and clean it that's where it starts uh, Sarah and Stacy interviewed um, Jasmine here before she came and they said um, if we brought you here and all you had to do was clean it would you still come she said yes yes Start simple yes now we don't make her clean sometimes we do but what's it? Your yes is where it starts. 
And she said yes. I, I met her what, 10 years ago. And she said, I've always, I've always had enough. She says, I really want to come. And she kicked my door down. She kept sending me Facebook messages. Do you want me to talk? I want to come to Ireland. I, I don't need any more Americans. Love the ones I've got, but that's enough. And she kept, but she kept messing me. She said, the Lord's told me I'm supposed to come here. And I go, well, go somewhere else. Honestly, many times I ignored her. I ignored her and I ignored her. She said, no, I'm coming to serve your mission. I've listened to all your sermons. I said, you just saying that. She says, no, I've listened to them all. I said, okay, what are the preachers? She was able to tell me all, all the series. She says, you said this, you're not. I was like, holy smoke. It's like, when God uproots her and brings her here to serve this place. And you're like, God, is that, is that, is that what you want to do? You know what I discovered? Jordan and Margaret gave this word, and I'll finish with this. He said, Irish people, don't be disappointed when the nations come to help you bring revival to what God's going to do. When we get upset, who in these Americans think they are taking all our jobs? The sacrifice, the sacrifice that these people give to come here and serve you. Honestly, yeah. Joshua Mara, you know, Mike, it's just, they, they, they are not on any big salaries. They're not. They need the body to bless them to do the job they're doing. That's simple, simple the way it is. And, and, and God, in his, in his, he brings us the best. And guess what? He's bringing us more. But you know what I'm really wanting to happen? I, I can do the mission with these guys. But I would rather have you grab hold of something in your own home, in your own place, that gets hold of this mission and goes, you know what? I will serve. Me, for me and my household, I'll serve the Lord. And I want you to stand. Don't stand this yet. I want you to stand going into worship and if you're willing to commit into this church or a local church make a decision today I'm going to commit and I'm going to serve the vision of a church this church and I'm going to serve it faithfully and I'm going to trust the Lord that he's going to bless me and all I do I want you to stand and then I want to take maybe 10 or 15 seconds and then the rest you can stand and we engage in worship but if that's you and you want to commit to that don't stand up unless you're really saying Lord I will go send me here I am send me I'll go if that's you I want you to stand your feet right now. You know, God's a God who includes. He includes. Make a decision. life and freedom to others in our community and in Jesus name I release the kingdom of God Lord that this local church would serve you go after you and all that you have for us Lord that we would see a mighty harvest come in the name of Jesus and all God's people say amen